Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, guys, we're back. More deliberations for the Baldies. Again, if this is your first time, uh, we're an award show just as dumb as most, uh, but more transparent than nearly all. Uh, you can see us, see, see the how and the why, the who, won, what, where. Uh, we're talking about comedies today. Uh, here are our nominees. Again, I, I, th- th- these aren't the, the other thing that the appreciate is these aren't necessarily the best. These are just the best of what we've seen. Yeah. You know, uh, we have a biggest miss for all the other shit category. Uh, best comedies season two of Ted Lasso. Jim, if it wasn't there already, I'd say send it to the top. That's a oh, fine yeah. comedy. Yeah, I really enjoyed Ted Lasso. Uh, again, we're just going to go through a quick pass to kind of see what our temperature is on these things. Uh, then we'll talk We'll talk in detail about our experiences with all of them as we rank them in detail. Not a huge category this year. Uh, I think you should leave season two. I want to send that one up to the top. Uh, yeah, j- just generally send it to the top and then we'll sort the top after we get there. Uh, hacks? hacks? I could not. It's a floater. I, it's I, a floater I saw one episode of it, but... That's a floater for me too. Rick and Morty okay. season five. Uh, to the top send or it to float? the top, and we'll see what happens with that. Okay, because it was good. Mythic yeah. Quest season two. Send it. Have you seen this? I haven't seen. I've seen the first two episodes of the first season. Of the first season. Okay. So I'm okay. not eligible to talk about season two. Uh, I really like Mythic Quest. It's very like Silicon Valley type stuff going on there um it's silly times send it to the top yeah send it to the top all right here we go boom what we do in the shadow season three send it to the top baby we're just churning we're just churning and burning here (laughs) reservation dogs to the top reservation dogs is interesting i don't think it's super hilarious all the time but I think we just reverse sorted this thing because guess what? <laughs> Schmigadoon what? going to the top. What? And then Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Also, season 15, <laughs> the boys going strong. Yeah, well, to that the was top. stupid. Hacks is the only right, thing we everybody. didn't to the top. <laughs> well, it's because it's fucking hack. No. Oh, uh, okay. Man. You haven't seen Always Sunny in Philadelphia season 15. I have not seen this season. No. Have you seen season 14? How far behind I, are you with the season? I have seen season 14. I, that's the thing. Like I was current on everything that was streaming um, up until Hulu. It's Hulu, right? They did their thing with season 15. Yes. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Um. This season is a bit more uneven than the last few seasons because I remember there's a couple of seasons there around the nine ten where it's like oh wow they might be running out of gas, um, but there's a couple of like all time great episodes in this season and the in general the the gang goes to Ireland arc is really funny, got some really funny COVID based humor with the gang and their inherent selfishness and sense of you know denial and 
There's some great Danny DeVito jealousy stuff between uh, Charlie and his uh, finding out his father. Do you know who fa- Do you know who Charlie Day's father turns out to be? I don't think so. No. Colm Meany. <laughs> oh God. All right. It's great. Who maybe has the most they, Irish name I could think of? Yeah. They give Charlie, and then they give Charlie Day like uh, this. Reminds me a lot of Max' interpretive dance sequence that came out of nowhere to kind of come out to the gang. I think two seasons ago, where it's like. It starts off kind of funny, but then he just kind of goes for like this emotionally searing scene regarding his father. And I I didn't think the show was capable of this stuff until like season 13, where it's like, well, these guys are just crash test dummies that I can never be emotionally involved in or engaged with or feel any kind of sympathy for, Mm -hmm. which is still is true. That's what makes this this what makes this kind of engine work. But I'll be damned if they can't dig down and find some vestigial heart within the show that allows the emotional material, like you know, uh, Charlie coming to grips with his father and uh, uh, stuff. Uh, yeah. So on balance, this is another really excellent season. Fifteen years in, and I hard, find it very hard to also separate it from my opinion about the ongoing podcast, where the guys are doing. Mm-hmm. One episode a week, watching a classic episode in chronological order, giving the behind the scenes details, tidbits from the personal lives. And they're just really funny guys that like each other and work well together. And I don't I don't know when that engine will ever stop running. Yeah, I mean, they'll they'll have to call it quits someday. But I mean, it doesn't seem like they're slowing down as far as like creating very funny television. So. It seems like they've also connected with a newer, younger audience, which is tricky to do. Like mm-hmm. uh, they just had a recent call-in show on their podcast, and like everyone was in like the early twenties, mid twenties, and uh, they have that kind of like internet cool cred too. Yeah, yeah, um, a lot I, like Rick and Morty did. Um, another comedy we'll be talking about that definitely hit the younger audience too. Um, sure, written by a dude in what is fifties. I mean. I don't remember how old Dan Harmon is, but he's got to be yeah, late 40s, early 50s. I think I think he's 52. Like, okay. I think he's exactly five years older than me, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, Speaks to a yeah. younger audience for sure. Yeah. They talk about that, too. It's like, you know, because they're all in their mid 40s now getting older. Glenn just broke <laughs> in the latest episode of the podcast, broke his clavicle skiing or snowboarding in uh, on Tell a mountain. You, man. They're always talking yeah, they're, everyone's getting old and slowing down, man. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, how how do we make you know entertaining stuff relevant for people who are still going out and hitting the bars every night? You know, right? <laughs> and like, hey, I, it's a good thing that I, I wonder about that myself. You know, like how how the fuck uh-huh. do you keep being relevant? Um, it's a great show. I don't know when it'll run out of steam. It hasn't run out of steam yet. I think it's already been greenlit for a season 16. So long live Sunny. Oh, through uh, season 18, I think it's. Did it's they got really a few get a multi season deal? Did yeah, I was really? looking on IMDb and they have uh, the season drop down has 18 of them. So. God. Yeah. Danny DeVito. <laughs> he is so funny. Amazing. And the behind the scenes, the bloopers for season 15, there's a particular scene between him and Charlie and Charlie's dad. 
<laughs> that is one of the fucking funniest things I've seen them do on the show. And and, and they do like five minutes of bloopers of, of him and Charlie trying to get through this scene without <laughs> losing their shit. And Cole Meany's there has he's he, he like, what the hell is he supposed to do with with all this happening around him? Oh, you know? right. He's, <laughs> I can't imagine being an actor just being like thrown oh. into the deep end of always sunny. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, especially an episode like that. It's like if you're an extra yeah. at the Christmas episode and Frank's busting out of the couch, like sure. how? How just never film me from the neck up because I will be laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to Schmigadoon. Oh, man, yeah. I feel like I'm just monologuing because it's two in a row that you haven't seen. Uh-huh. Um, so Schmigadoon was an Apple TV Plus production, and it is what if uh, you put uh, Keegan-Michael Key and Cecily Strong in as a modern couple. They're both like hard charging white uh, collar. I think they're both doctors and they show um, like in like a, it's kind of like a a memento style storyline where each episode you get a vignette from when they were young and fall, not younger, but like five years ago when they first met and falling in love versus where they are right now in the series, which is going on this couple's retreat to try to find their spark. Okay. And uh, you see kind of like how things went right and how things went wrong, how they got to that. And and then the other part takes place in this fictional town of Schmigadoon where they walked over this magical bridge and land in this town that seems to be like perpetually in Little House on the Prairie times. And men are men and women are women. And, you know, romance is in the air and everyone's paired off and everyone's happy and ordered. It's kind of like that Pleasantville kind of like... You know, were the good old days really so good? And and uh, it, it's it's it, it's it's a big parody of kind of like these old Gene Kelly musicals. It's mm-hmm. it's the premise is essentially Brigadoon, where Gene Kelly wanders off hunting and he ha- he, he ends up in uh, at this uh, Scottish village that is eternally locked into four hundred years ago. And um, I thought it was super funny. The only thing that disappointed me is Christian Sinowith, which is this massive Broadway star. I probably butchered her name. Um, I've loved her ever since I've seen her on Pushing Daisies. Uh, probably got the best voice on the cast, and they had n- nothing for her to do. She mm-hmm. plays this like really uptight, shrewish woman that kind of rules the moral propriety of the uh, of the of the town with an iron fist. Um, mm-hmm. And her husband's closeted gay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they they just, I, I was kind of always like, oh, they're going to eventually going to give her a song to belt and it just never came. And that was kind of a bummer. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like this. It was a lot of fun. I don't think it's going to make the top five, unfortunately. Okay. Okay. Reservation dogs. This is not a show that's always hilarious, but it does have its moments. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm torn on this one because I would almost classify this as a drama um, with a couple of funny moments as opposed to a comedy with a lot of drama in it. Um, but I don't know. I guess it gets there. Uh, I really like Reservation Dogs. I was not... I am not familiar with what goes on on uh, Native American Reservation here. Uh, so I was like kind of interested in just seeing what this show who is written and and made by a lot of native americans uh behind the scenes is all about um 
so I felt like I got sort of an education on that stuff too at the same time that I was laughing and crying uh, at the scenarios they were in. Yeah, it's neat to see like different like uh, approaches and cultures and just like uh, in a world that uh, that you don't get to see a lot of on on television. Um, and it is yeah. kind of in that same Orange is the New Black dramedy where I, I thought the ho-hos to boo-hoo ratio was especially in the first half of the season very positive like 90 percent but they get into some really heavy stuff at the yeah. uh involving um the death of um one of their their young friends and family members for a lot of them mm-hmm. um and you 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 hear that's like one thing to kind of cast a pall over to you know like this kid had this this daniel kid had died on the res and everyone is like kind of like it's I think it's the one year anniversary and yeah. it's like galvanized some people that we got to get out of here, man. We can't let this happen to us. Um, it also has like deeply impacted like, you know, a lot of people in the community because they're related to them or friends with them or mentors. Um, but it's it is really, really fucking funny in places like I love the episode where you meet uh, Uncle Brownie. Yeah, he's great. Uh, and the payoff of him at the end of the is is really funny. Yeah, I the love storm this. chasing stuff is amazing. <laughs> I love. I think it's Bear's uh, spirit guide that, uh-huh. that, that shows up. The 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 rando that died in the, the battle against General Custard. Uh, yeah. Not not because of he did anything amazing or he his his horse stepped in a gopher hole and uh-huh. that was it for him in the charge. Um, yeah, it's, there's like, uh, the stuff about Native American rappers. Uh, I learned a lot about fry bread. Sure. Uh, yep. Um, I, I do wonder, cause like I re- really enjoyed, um, Orange of the New Black and in later seasons, they really never got that like draw comedy drama balance. And it caught like, it, it's, it's almost like they throw in jokes just because they remembered that that's our DNA, but like they were mostly kind of inappropriate. It's like, well, this is, Hmm. you know, like if you're forcing humor in a serious show, it's imagine if like, you know, you had Waka Waka moments in late season breaking bad. Um, And this show is so funny. I kind of hope they don't lose that balance. They're find a way, but it's, I don't know. I mean, there's life's grim on some of these reservations in North America. Uh, Yeah. Uh, like there's a lot of problems. I'm curious to see what they do in season two because they sort of split up the cast at the end of the first season. Um, yeah. Not yeah. like, not entirely, but one of my favorite characters, uh, they might have a hard time working them back in to the story. Uh-huh. We'll see though. Yeah, it's good stuff. I uh-huh. highly recommend people checking it out. I think it is better than the previous two entries, Schmigadoon and Always wow. Sunny, and you're probably going to fight me on it, right? And, and so how would I? I haven't seen there either of those. Uh, now, here's an interesting direct comparison. Oh, boy. What We Do in the Shadows Season 3. Oh, Okay. I got to say, I'm pretty high on this show. Me too. Because I came in like, I don't know what they're going to do with the Guillermo problem. I fucking uh-huh. can't stand Guillermo. They have solved the Guillermo problem entirely. Uh, and they keep at, they keep on like raising the stakes. Like I thought, it's like, well, how's the gang going to be like, you know, one of the chief funny things about them is they're these hapless losers. Well, now they kind of fucking run the North American or at least the Atlantic, the, the Eastern seaboard 
region of the vampires of North America, which is presumably a very powerful faction, you know? Yeah. Uh, they're, they're just in charge of it. How are they going to keep it funny and fresh? And, well, these people are deeply insecure, incompetent people, and they're now politicians. It kind of writes itself. Sure. Like, <laughs> uh, there's so... I'm looking through the episode list here. There's so many good episodes this season. Like, yeah. damn near everyone is great. Uh, Shocking. And what they do with, like, Colin Robinson... Uh-huh. Um, yeah, with his that was yeah. so shocking and so interesting, and then like such a great way to shake up the group dynamics at the end of that season. Um, yeah, it has maybe the funniest thing I saw all year, which is the season or the that scene with David Cross, um, where <laughs> Nandor <laughs> is pretending they... <laughs> pretending to be slumbering or dead. Actually, I think um, at that point, yeah. And there is a whole like three minute to three to five minute sequence of them making sure that he's dead and and indulging in um, petty grievances, rumors, rumors, uh, indulging in like the verification of rumors that have been spread about Nandor. Let's leave it at that because it is fucking hilarious. It's so funny, (laughs) dude. Like that scene alone might put it at the top for me, but there are so many good episodes. All yeah. that wellness center stuff. Um, oh my god! Yeah, is super the, good. Yeah, the vam the vampires trying to fake it till they make it towards the regaining their humanity. Yeah, uh, was really really funny. The casino episode is in this. I know people really love that. Um, I enjoyed the that episode. One. Was really funny with the native soil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's had the the car stuff in it. Uh, I real I remember, you know, Colin and uh, shit. What's Matt Berry's name in this? Um, Laszlo. Laszlo doing their thing in the library and with the car and the yeah. There's a garage door. I I don't know. It's all very good. And, I and, I really like the, the siren episode. Oh, did you? Because I thought that I was the one that was a bit of a misstep. Um, yeah, I know you said you didn't care for it, but man, I I thought it was pretty funny. But I also really liked how the sneaky the continuity was because a lot of the stuff is very episodic. You have big arcs like, oh, the master is coming back and what are we going to do about that? Or, oh, we've been made the North American Vampiric Council senior members, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But mostly it's just kind of like episodic, just just misadventure after misadventure. And the way towards the end, I realized they were bending towards an arc that they had been like in plain yeah. sight, like a Colin Robinson trying to figure out like, you know, what the deals with energy vampires like, you know, why are they mm-hmm. so different? Why do they come from what? And, you know, uh, and Laszlo hiding uh, Laszlo something from spin- him. And spending so much time with him, too, which is what he previously yep. has disdain for everyone. Like how that all came together. Uh-huh. Um, was super fucking cool and unexpected, and yeah, I'm I I I de- I defy you to come up with expectations for next season. Oh, you know, with no, the state I... of the board that it's in and the characters, and uh, yeah, I was skeptical. I was coming in this is like this is about the t- this is about the time where this concept's going to run out of gas. They've done all the vampire movie tropes. They've done all the kind of like, um, and now it's like they are remixing their own shit and, mm-hmm. and writing their own lore. 
that that is for 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 vampires and and yeah i don't know why this can't keep continue to be funny because the cast my god like that the woman that plays Nadja and yeah. La, like Laszlo, Matt, Matt Barry, he's the one that's like, I've really become enamored with af, out of this show and, and kind of doing a Dan Harmon thing where I'm watching everything I can of him. Yeah. Uh, it's fantastic. He's got the, the, the core cast is just so fucking hilarious at what they do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny. Yeah. And there was no um, Nick Kroll this season, which I was happy to see. <laughs> I was Wasn't not a there? fan of him. I don't think so. I don't think they so. They kept on threatening to bring back the butthole hat. Uh-huh. I'm like I, I associate that with anti-funds. Every time mm. they kept on talking, I'm like, no, just leave. That's that's like the opposite of Mr. Meeseeks. I never, I never want to see that fucking butthole hat again. Um, <laughs> does it make an appearance? Does he take? Does he take it with him? Oh no, because he doesn't leave the right. Okay, I don't. Yeah, no, yeah, I think I it's still in his too much. I Yeah, that I I I I didn't track it too closely either. But they keep mentioning it, so I think yeah, it's yeah. still still an artifact. Um, I think to the top with that. To the top, better than res. Because I was going to ask you, did you enjoy it better than Reservation Dogs as a comedy? Certainly. Um, I think I agree with that. It's also Reservation Dogs. Uh, it's its first year. It's sure no comedy is its funny funniest in its first year. They're just yeah. figuring out the characters and the situation. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mythic Quest season two. I saw two episodes of the season, the first season, and I thought it was very meh. Yeah, uh, um, I, I agree with you. Um, it took me a while to settle into those characters. I think maybe the best thing about that show, and and simultaneously the most infuriating because his character is a piece of shit, is uh, <laughs> the guy from Community who plays Brad. Um, oh, R- Danny Puddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he is fantastic. Wow. He's playing very much against type or, or very very much different than he was in community, let's say. Yeah, he's not Abed, yeah. He is nothing like Abed. Um he's cruel, he's uh focused solely he he's like their finance guy, their the money guy. Um and so he's focused solely on that and he is willing to go to any length to make the game successful financially and it leads to hilarity and it leads to like a, a rivalry between him and the rest of the group that th- there is a pretty spectacular episode where the team is coming together for like their launch day or something of the new expansion. I can't remember exactly what the yeah. event is, but they, they do up the office like it is a uh, uh, Lord of the Rings type forest thing. Uh, oh, okay. We're doing searching on stream here sorry no no i'm sorry uh, oh god shit i forgot I'm, yeah I'm, it's all i was queuing up the next the next segment you, you, while Jim look, was man, talking. you have 15 monitors over there you could do <laughs> you could do what you need to do just on a different guilty. monitor guilty as fucking charged right? oh jesus all right uh but but it's fantastic because they dress up the office like this lord of the rings forest or whatever and then they have this battle 
this this LARP session, which is supposed to end in a specific way with like the hero defeating the bad guy or whatever. But Brad just totally fucks everything up. He's like, no, no, I'm winning this shit. Like any teams up with the other worst person in the office and who's like his assistant. And it's it's pretty glorious. Um, That's a great episode. I think it takes a while to get into it, though, because that's the thing. It's it like, does, I, I, for sure. This does sound like a lot of fun. Um, and yeah. I love Rob McElhinney. Um, he's uh-huh. like, it seems like he's got a lot of passion. You know, they, they don't talk about that a lot on the Always Sunny podcast, but that's his other, you know, obviously big project that him and mm-hmm. I guess Charlie Day executive produced that as well. Charlie Day and uh, Megan Gans. Gans? Yeah. Ah, interesting. They're She's all showing in the Always Sunny. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, she there's a lot of crossover community. there. Mm-hmm. But it definitely has like a Silicon Valley type feel to it. Like it's it's goofy and it's silly and it's going to be like. There's a lot of jokey jokes, like written yeah, jokes kind of. Yeah. And you're going to look at it and you're going to be like occasionally, okay, that wasn't very funny. Like that was just stupid. Um, but then other times you'll be busting your gut laughing. Um, and it has a lot of heart too. Um there's a lot of stuff in there about Rob McElhinney's character, uh, who is Ian, I think is how you say that. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, he's got a lot of pathos and trauma in his life that he's masking with his behaviors. Um, is he like a John a Romero fun. type, like this rock star game designer? Kind uh-huh. of? Yeah. He's like gotcha. made the biggest game. He's essentially made World of Warcraft uh, during its heyday, like when it had uh, you know fifteen million players or whatever. And I wasn't sure was if he was based on someone actually real or just a pasty, like because uh, because I don't think yeah John Romero like is there such a thing as a rock star video game designer? I mean, uh, Romero Metal Gear Solid. Oh yeah. Um, well, Romero wanted to be, and he just couldn't quite back it up. He was like the closest thing, you know, and this is me talking as a gamer who was very much into the gaming scene at the time. If right. you were a normal person, you had no fucking idea who John Romero was. Right. Um, right. But yeah, to, to me, John Romero got there, I think. Um, but yeah, like uh, shit. I can't remember the, the Metal Gear Solid guy's name. Hideo Kojima. Yes. Kojima. Yes. He's kind of a, a, a like a. Uh, a Japanese version of that because it uh-huh. looks like I, from what I can tell, he's got like kind of like that persona, the mystique. Yep, does whatever the fuck he wants to do because he's Hideo Kojima, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, I, I find it funny. It's not, it's not consistently funny. It's not like what we do in the shadows um, or Res Dogs. I, I think it would be below both of those, and I can't say for always sunny or Schmigadoon. Oh. Um. Stop, 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 stop sniping my monitor. Um, So you don't think it's what? So you you don't think it's better than Reservation Dogs? No, I would put it at three currently. Oh, we should number these two when you get a chance. Oh, right. Um, Shit, man. God, I wish I had seen more. Because like putting above Schmigadoon, fine, but Always Sunny. Okay. I mean, if you wanted to go to Rob, would Rob McElhinney do that? I don't know. Probably not. 
maybe um, who knows but i don't know maybe because like it's it's a it's a younger hungrier hungrier show fresher mm-hmm. show maybe it is funnier i i just i couldn't tell because like and again always sunny season 15 i should probably put that in the thing always sunny season 15 right is not a banger after banger after banger type of episode i'm not sure if mythic quest is too it, it has a narrative arc though right like Oh yeah, always sunny um, does not. It totally does. the 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 game is kind of the the basic skeleton of it. Like this season, they're creating an expansion for the game. Um, and F. Murray Abraham is is their writer in that show. Uh, like the the writer for the game, not a writer on the show. <laughs> um, and he has like a pretty big arc this season. There's a whole season, uh, a whole episode that is just a flashback to his younger days when he won his Hugo award. Cause they, they always talked about it. He's a Hugo award winning author. Um, and, and it's, yeah, I really liked that episode a lot. It was a lot of fun. Um, but there's, yeah, there's definitely some heart in there too, because he, he's kind of like trying to live up to expectations that everyone has, but he's also a buffoon and a, and just like, He's a fucking old guy. He's by far the oldest person on on staff at the gaming company. And mm. so he's sort of sexist. He's sort of racist. He's sort sure. he's like just got all these old modes of he thinking. He probably plays that really well too. Absolutely. He kind of like has like this like he he's their lore, like he's the George uh, R. Mar- and he's got like the tweed jacket, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like he's a little bit like past his expiration date in, in, in many different ways. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, if, if he was ever uh shelf stable to begin with, yeah, there, there are questions <laughs> about that throughout this season. Yeah. But hmm. interesting. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Um, this brings us to Rick and Morty season five, which I was prime. I was just wanting to call up the episode list because I will say, the biggest indictment I can have for season five, five is I had to look up the episodes that like I couldn't like just think of um, off the top of my head. Um, I remember this being a divisive season, mm-hmm. but I also remember I liked it a lot more than most people. The one I thought was kind of bad was Rick Dependent Spray. Um, right, right. Everything else, like I love the Hellraiser uh, spoof episode. Um, wasn't there the an Captain anime Planet. like a Gundam based thing that I I really didn't like there this was season. the Gotron Jerry Sis Rick Vangelion I thought yeah I see I thought that shit was hilarious um, I did not like that one yeah um, and the other thing is is they also keep doing like really interesting things with their canon like uh, you know Mort- Morty's had this long time relationship with this girl Jessica mm-hmm. and through different machinations she gets to spend eons of time like in suspended animation and she's essentially ascended into some kind of cosmic being status but she's still uh, a sophomore in high school mm-hmm. and they haven't done anything with that they just established it not yet early yeah. in the season and it will come back around and that's the thing the stuff that they're doing with like uh, the redemption of Birdman the redemption of mm-hmm. Rick the fact that like Rick is starting to get to like the per- point of personal growth where he's starting to realize all the damage he's done and maybe regret it. And we're also learning about his backstory and maybe he's not even responsible for all the shit that like people hold against him. But like his family have run out of patience right at this crucial moment. And like they continue to really nail stuff about family dynamics and mental health that I think are impressive. 
But holy shit, did they try? Does the, 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 the Justin Roiland of the episodes try to push that fucking inc- giant incest space baby? <laughs> still, it's 30 minutes of my life that was wasted, I feel like. I uh, really liked Morty Plicity. Um, it, half of the reason I like this show is the animation. Uh, it, it's it's as funny and as good as any of the jokes that they write. Uh-huh. And th- some of the animation in there, some of the depictions of different versions of Rick's family um, trying to hide out and being the used. decoy family shit. Dude. Like and, some and of the skin shit they get up to and the freakish monsters they create are just incredible. Yeah. The idea that like each it's like a Xerox copy that every decoy family that doesn't know their decoy that builds a decoy family. So you've got like uh-huh. these rough hewn Pinocchio looking motherfucking yeah. decoys. Uh, oh, God. And then yeah. there's, there's one trying to take the skins of other decoys. It's. It's fucked up, I, man. That's what they need to be to be complete. Yeah, yeah. I love that stuff. Uh, there's a there's a lot of good. There's a lot of really cool. Like I, I mentioned, world building, a lot of character building, and a lot of just like really fun. That that multiplicity reminded me of one of those like uh, early seasons, kind of me six or uh, the brain parasite uh, episode, ep- the clone parasite episodes that just do these like take a simple science fiction premise and just blow it out to its illogical conclusion. And, uh, it's, uh, it's good. Um, trying to think, man, they got some weird, they got some really weird ones like that portal, the, the episode where, uh, Morty got linked to a former someone else that was associative Rick to spilled portal fluid uh, got, got a, 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 a oh, right. their, their hands on illicit portal fluid and they could talk to, through each other's hand and thigh and uh-huh. uh I and and the, that leading to crow Rick uh <laughs> I don't know and um then they, then they finally got back to the pre- the the evil Morty plot line mm-hmm. um and that keeps getting bigger to where it's like Every single time they poke fun at that, the, the, the idea that they'll have to pay off of that continuity, and they do. I remember they did that in season four, and they showed like on the in the time conductor episode, they showed this big like Lord of the Rings style final conclusion between like, and people were like, oh man, that's like seems pretty cool. They keep on like coming back and like topping themselves. Yeah. And if this is going to be ten season long run, and we're halfway there, like I don't know where the fuck this gets like. I mean, yeah, the good thing is they're I, only doing it like once a season, right? So they don't have to spin a lot of tales on that side. They can just true. do their random stuff and then every once in a while throw a sprinkling of that in. I got to so. say, if they get through another season with no more inter- interdimensional cable, I might riot. Uh, <laughs> it's been like three seasons, damn it. We need some more interdimensional yeah. cable. Like just a glimpse every six episodes or so is not enough. Goddamn. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say about Rick and Morty before we assess them? No. Um, if I had to rank right. this, I'd put it at number four, just above Mythic Quest. Uh, I would put it above Always Sunny. Okay. I yeah, thought I Always Sunny was a little vulnerable this year because it was a little uneven. So was Rick and mm-hmm. Morty, but on balance, I think Rick and Morty. Like I laughed real hard at some of the gags in and Rick and Morty uh, this season. Gotcha. Um, let's see. Oh boy, this is an interesting one. 
dude, I I kind of want to take this one to the top. Because are you talking about like gut busting laughs per minute? Sure. I don't know that this can, and again, this I I guarantee this is not everyone's cup of tea, and not every single skit in every episode is going to be your cup of tea. But the amount of times this show has been quoted in my house, how hard <laughs> I laughed during Coffin Flop the first time I saw it. Uh, yeah, Coffin Flop. Is that this season? Because that is fucking that amazing. Is this, that's this season. I lost my um, shit watching Coffin Flop. Yeah, I, th- this thing This thing is like, uh, th- there's like six, I think six episodes. Each episode is 12 to 15 minutes long mm-hmm. and, cons- and comprises of three to five little micro skits of just absurdity. Um, you know, a driver's ed program that seems, uh, you know, like a Faces of Death style driver's ed video that seems more involved with the the side hustle of, of, of this lady and her table supplies than it is on traffic safety uh oh you know, i'm taking t- the, the head off oh did this chin yeah this chin kills the uh carl havoc that shit like i that i think i laughed as hard as i did a coffin flop flop that guy just standing there in the middle of the mall yeah, I don't want to, you know, have an existential dread about his own fucking. <laughs> oh, geez, it's yeah. I, I I love this show. I thought season one was so funny. Um, I, and season I have, two was even more so. Yeah, I mean the it, where where is the coffin flop? I'm trying to find the episode that's in. It's the first episode of season one or season two. Oh, is it? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. The the synopsis doesn't say anything about it, but they weird. don't. They really should have a like. S- Wikipedia should have a skit breakdown. I think. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. If, I mean, if that's in season two, that was one of the funniest moments of the year for me. Uh, yeah, I'm torn on this show, sure. though. I don't. I don't super like. Tim, everything that Tim Robinson does, I think well, a lot of these skits. Are just, are just a loud person being angry and not actually funny. Um, and some of them are genuinely hilarious. So, yeah, this this show has me kind of twisted up when it comes to ranking it. I, man, I guess I like screen-based humor more often, more than most. Because, like, I really like Screaming Sam Kinison. I thought... Uh, you know, like like I I always appreciated uh, Adam Sandler's capacity to have that kind of incohate rage. Uh, Bobcat Goldwaith kind of like when his craziest police you know feral uh, police academy moments. Like uh-huh. I find it inherently funny seeing a normal guy just losing his shit about whatever in small doses and, certainly. But this is like every episode he'll just oh yeah scream and rant and shout at somebody and be mean or, and cruel for like no real reason, which can just be funny. Like the, the emotions are just full because like he's when he's like sorry like when he's bereft he's bereft and the things he's bereft about are stupid and dumb like yes. a baby like a baby thinking he's a huge no knowing that he used to be a huge piece of shit <laughs> that's another cla- classic episode yeah. with the sl- sloppy steaks like I, I mean like i get it i i get it but like that's what i'm saying like some of this stuff gets a little too weird for me but i imagine someone else is laughing their ass off like one of the ones I that really stands love- out to me as not liking it is that office, um, the office thing where like there's some unspoken agreement that they won't 
do something and then he's like trying to pressure the guy into getting into an mlm scheme or oh, something yeah it's it's uh there's a a guy comes in with pee dribbles on his paint right and he's trying to sell and him on bust the his ass and a guy mm. comes up there's a website where you go to order c- custom pants that look like they have pee stains on them because it's style right. now instead yeah. of just being like oh man i forgot to shake my dick you and and yeah it's you i did didn't not like that? like that skit i did not like it at all and it goes on for so long so long i guess if it's not working but that final thing where he's like uh everybody chips in frank a lot of people chip in and like you see that the, everybody in the company it's like kind of almost children of the core they have that same yeah. like key and peel where uh-huh. they do a thing and it's funny because it's a pitch perfect parody of something but then they also take it to like kind of the next level yeah uh, and the final act and i feel like that he does that a lot but yeah if you're not if you're not in on the the uh, almost um i don't know what you call this uh yeah like children of the corn or some kind of fucking cult mm-hmm. aspect of, of this then it doesn't work yeah Half the time I just a, end up feeling bad for the people in the room with him. <laughs> and that's not the tone you want um, when you're trying to make me laugh. I, I don't want to be like, oh, God, I can't imagine being in this room right now because this guy's oh, a huge be a asshole. Nightmare. It'd be a nightmare. Yeah. Or like even, even stuff that's like it's not it's the same type of humor, but he's not being a dick. It's like uh, the guy who wears the. uh uh, the ball cap with like the legionary scar. What, what do you call that thing? Where it's got a, uh, it's got like a solar shade that hangs down, like a mullet that hangs off of a ball cap. Right. It looks like a like yeah. I always think of like a legionnaire's cap. And he's there's like an official there's an official court transcript being read about this complicated uh, insider trading plot. And they're reading these people's emails back and forth to establish into the record the criminal intent. But they also have these long digressions about this crazy hat this guy's wearing and he thinks he can pull it off. And having the having the prosecuting attorney just read this in a monotone while the guys in the galley realizing they're talking about him and him trying (laughs) that shit. shit, That shit is is super funny to me. Uh, Well, I mean, you haven't seen every episode 30 times. True. In the last nine months, like <laughs> I've I have. seen them all once. Yeah, um, man, that's uh, I want to send it to the top, dude. Like, okay, oh, detective, I think you're going to want to fight me, but but where would you, detective crap, Santa Claus as a hard boiled action hero? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that guy. Oh my god, he's great. I love that so much. Uh, uh Cecily and I say he said that. Or that that asshole. He said that. We say that so many times. Um, will you fight me? Okay. What, what do you think? It's what do you think's better than? Uh, I think you should leave season two. On this I list. mean, both of those top two had me in stitches at one point or another this year. That Nandor scene is so fucking hilarious. I, I think that the is the single funniest that, thing that I've competes. seen this year was that Nandor slumbering scene. Oh, coffin flop, man! Because that's coffin the thing. It's like is a very close second. Is about the same as like Coffin Flop, uh-huh. as the best parts of Crashmore, as uh, yeah, I guess the, quantity the, the the Carl Havoc, um, and they just had, just had more, just had more. And if it's like comedy is comedy, Reservation Dogs too, like yeah, yeah all the Uncle Brownie shit, the things like the the not being able to make eye contact with owls, 
fighting that storm, man. Holy shit. Fighting the storm, the reenactment of Brownie's, of Uncle Brownie's bar fights where he's just like one punch, (laughs) like all that shit Uh, was super, super funny. But like, man, the last per minute, I just don't know. I just don't know. You're right. There is a higher concentration of laughs in I Think You Should Leave because it's a shorter show. Yeah. It's it's, it's almost not fair, sketch comedy, but like. Sure. you know, and I think of a sketch comedy as like the bloated ones I've seen that are an hour long or like Saturday Night Live or an hour and a yeah. half. And like, you know, like uh, maybe week in, week 15, months, 15 minutes of that will be funny each week. Yeah. And this where it's like they're 15 minutes long and like 85% of them are kicking my ass. I just. Yeah. yeah and they've I, thrown I, out all the shit that SNL would have to run to fill time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you said they take all the shit that SNL throws away. No, no. They throw out the shit that that SNL would have to run. Um, However, unless you want to talk more about that, I want to talk about the elephant in the room, which is Ted Lasso season two. Oh, this is different, man. Is. Okay. I'm going to take it to the top just for conversations. Yeah. um, Sake. Because I. The thing is, is this is very, very funny mm-hmm. and also just good in a way that a lot of these other comedies are are not like like good yeah. in like a way that it makes you feel positive. Because yes. like Reservation Saw Dogs, when it hits, it's like thoughtful, um, like going reaching beyond comedy kind of gear turns to make you feel awful. Mm-hmm. Um and, and make you feel very sad and like despair, which is probably what they're trying to do. Where Ted Lasso, even though they're dealing with a lot of the same things in terms of like loss and, you know, um, uh, difficult beginnings and the fact that we all have kind of like, I feel like we, we go through life and we're taught like the exact opposite things to do that make you happy in life and how you can kind of unpack all that. Ted Lasso makes me feel good. Ted Lasso yeah. makes me feel like hot, uh, uh, optimistic and hopeful. And it's this season is less uh, unrelenting in its positivity. There are a lot more episodes that are downbeat um, because Ted Lasso is str- actively struggling. Whereas in the first season, he wasn't right. He 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 had yeah. the brave face on. He he was. They were introducing the character as a as a relentlessly positive guy. Yeah. This season, they start to chip away at that exterior. And I think... Yeah, what's the cost of maintaining that? Jesus. Right? Um, and I think they're doing some really solid work. And I, I, there are scenes in this that I think are going to be talked about um, to win awards because they're that fucking good. Um, yeah. And and those aren't the comedy scenes necessarily. Those are some of the heartfelt emotional scenes. And... So yeah, I'm torn. Like, if you want to talk about laughs per minute, I think I think you should leave is going to be the top. But Ted Lasso oh, always makes me feel good coming away from it, even if I'm not too. laughing as much. I I do too. I think that uh, there's lots of really funny stuff. Um, that, oh, it, it made it, me that, angry too. God, fucking Nate. Nate is a piece of shit this season. Holy. Dude. The way that they have turned him into the Darth Vader of the series in entirely interesting and understandable ways. And maybe like Darth Vader, he can be redeemed at one point. Sure. He's uh, he starts out very sympathetic too. he's in the sunken place right now, man. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Fuck Nate at the moment. 
I feel like I feel like, a, but a character like Nate can can actually teach uh, some guys a thing or two about yes. how you know up their ass, head up their ass, they're living, and mm-hmm. the things that they're getting upset about, and the things that um, you know, and like 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 who they're getting upset with, and in, in lieu of other people who they probably should get upset with. I I think that's um, now choices like said, you make is, affect yourself and people around you. Yeah. I, I like this is to me the um I talked about this a lot when we're talk when we're watching when I was watching things like Bojack Horseman and uh, uh Lady Dynamite that like you've had these shows that um you know previously uh, sitcoms were all like anytime you had a moment of like negativity or, or or probably you have a very special episode you know someone got touched in a bad place or someone you know, stole a car or someone got addicted to drugs. It was always like, you know, solved within 30 minutes or maybe there's a special two-parter and the family all hugged and you healed from that damage and then you went forward without any change to the basic dynamics. And shows like BoJack Horseman blew holes in that to like sometimes fucking you don't recover from the trauma and you turn out you turn out like to to be a terrible person and an asshole and there's consequences for being that way. Even when you change, like the 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 damage you've done in response to the damage you've got and like i feel like yeah. ted lasso is the synthesis of both of those it's like okay but even if we're you know we're we're, we're damaged and and we're hurting we can still heal and we can it, we won't be like it's not like the family will hug and then the family will go on the next episode unchanged it'll be changed but you can still have happiness and and mm-hmm. uh, a, a love and fulfillment and I fucking love it, man. I that that yeah. shit is exactly the kind of messages we need. Uh, this this generation of people growing up right now, trying to raise kids, trying to be good coworkers and spouses and friends. This is the shit that we need because no fucking God knows our parents never taught us these lessons. Yeah, no, that, that's what I love. Is it's not just that Ted Lasso is a relentlessly positive character. Um, it's that the show has a positive outlook. The show. The show itself has positivity built into its DNA and uh, akin to something like a Star Trek The Next Generation, right? Where like yeah. the best of Star Trek is aspirational. This show is very aspirational. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I love Ted Lasso. And I think there are moments that are hilarious, but I, I love Ted Lasso not for its comedy necessarily, but for its heart. I love Ted Lasso for its Hannah Waddingham. Of course you do. <laughs> Rebecca. Rebecca has some fan fucking tastic scenes, man. That she funerals that she, she goes does. to this year. Oh man, she's so glow. Oh, if I forget that I that everyone can see what I'm typing and stuff. Oh, um, you didn't yeah, forget. I, don't act like you didn't want people to see Hannah Waddingham. <laughs> um I heart Hannah Waddingham. She is like my 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 biggest on screen crush right now. Um nice. it's uh, it's it's wild. Um Yeah. My gut, here's if if this is just a, the Aaron show. Mm-hmm. Here's what I do: I go. That's my top five, and I'm uh, I'm uh, the okay. only one I'm really kind of tossing up is Always Sunny and Rick and Morty. Like maybe they should switch places, but I don't think so. I think. What do you think? I mean, it really just comes down to how much do I want to wait for comedy here? And how much do I want to wait for just a quality show? 
I also like a top five that we all also I, I like this top five because we've seen every bit of it. If we go mm-hmm. um, and I, I, I don't know what you think about. How do you think about the top five? And then we can talk about the top three. Top five, top actually, I think feels pretty good. Yeah, I, I could kind of leave it at that top five. And yeah, if you want to make a case for Always Sunny over Rick and Morty. That's fine with me. I do. What do you think about always what we do in the shadows? I should say Um, that was the only question I had is res dogs versus what we do in the shadows. I really liked reservation dogs. The thing is, is like that's that's the top three here are rock, paper, scissors, like Mm -hmm. ultimate hilarity with no social conscious. Uh, very funny with a, uh, an uplifting, upbeat social conscious and and then one that's very funny with like uh, a, a, a lot of dis, uh, a lot of despair mm-hmm. and and anger and resentment. Yeah, um, as you might expect. Yeah, they're no, very like different flavors of comedy. Yeah, I think I like Res Dogs hitting top three because I really enjoyed that show. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's a good list. Other things we've seen, right? Obviously, like Succession is not in here, and a lot of people would probably put that at number one this year. But as a comedy, yeah, I, mean, I thought people were saying that's like more of a drama thing. Um, no, it's oh, you know it's what? Firmly comedy. I mean, it is a drama too, but we didn't talk about Hacks. I think Hacks is better than Schmigid. Ah, no. I thought Hacks was good for what it is. It had some really good writing. The two that you got like this um, Joan Rivers type um, old school, like barrier busting, glass ceiling shattering comedian versus a very online, very young, uh, very, you know, X way feminist uh, blog writer who is brought in as her ghost writer slash archivist. And how those are oil and water and gasoline. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of the times where they just like are tearing at each other is so fucking funny. And just a way that it's like, you know, these guys just throwing fucking verbal haymakers at each other. But I found the young, uh, the, 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 the archivist slash uh, ghostwriter. um, So fucking immature and compare Like, I don't know, man. Like, uh, it, it's 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 tough. It's, it's one of those things where it's like I, I the shows like this um, that deal with people who are like writers for television shows or people who have been on a Las Vegas strip for twenty years and are gazillionaires with mansions and stuff. Like, I increasingly find it hard to relate like it's like i, I get sure. it they have yeah. they they have problems in their lives and everyone's mm-hmm. like you know like uh, if you skin your knee the first time it's the worst pain you've ever felt and i can empathize with that but like spending time grappling with it and like you know uh and and the way i did when i first saw don donald draper and betty draper and you know th- those are kind of like prototypes of that like these people who have first world problems and yes they're significant and and but like damn i don't know i don't know um she's got shitty parents they'll probably put a lot of pressure on her she's yeah. also got like big spec spigots of wealth and fame that are threatening to shower her at every time and but you know oh my god what was her because you know this this aging 
uh, female star shits on her occasionally. I don't know. I imagine I, I, younger people probably identify with it more. Like, I yeah. think, and you got to have an arc for a character, right? Like, you want them to start in a place where they're likable but not put together, um, and then and then have them change over the course of the show. Which maybe they just started at too unlikable of a place for you. That's the thing is like maybe they started off to because it's like I have a hard time. Like whenever I started watching Seinfeld and Always Sunny, the first few episodes, I'm kind of because like I try to empathize with people and it gets yeah. me in trouble sometimes because you're not supposed to empathize with those characters. No. And when I when I get over that, then it's like, oh, I can. Re- OK, these I get it. This this isn't supposed to be taken that kind of serious. Things like hacks really like like the the thing about the reservation dogs, like the, the protagonists in those series, they do shitty things. But I don't ever think that they're shitty people. Yeah. And that's why the heartwarming stuff kind of works. Hacks, I think both of these people are kind of deeply just shitty people. Hmm. Like, it's not just their trauma. It's not just, it's just that they've kind of made choices that, for whatever reasons that make sense to them, they can just get away with abusing certain people, and it doesn't matter. And they won't have a comeuppance for that. Uh, And they will. I mean, there are, because, like, the, the, you know... um, Jean Smart plays the the Joan Rivers type, and she has a, a, a child who's played by... What's the uh, uh, sunny uh, um, uh, sweet D from Always Sunny? Oh, Caitlin, right, it's her. Uh, uh, she's married to Rob McLaren. Caitlin McLaren. Olson. Olson. <laughs> Olson. Yes, her daughter hates her and steals from her, and's got all kinds of substance abuse problems, and does all kinds of things. It's like so. It's like there's definitely they show the consequences to these things. It's just kind of like. Fuck, man! I kind of throw my hands up because again, they're these are these are shitty people, and now you're asking me to feel sorry for them being shitty. Like that's no, that's not how this stuff works for me anyway. So sure, I think Hack sits at the bottom. Um, it made a lot of noise on a lot of people's lists, but I didn't like the experience of watching it. I liked it when there's two like super predators gouging giant emotional holes in each other, but then when they wanted to cry about it, I'm like, ah, I don't mm-hmm. know. Um. I think this is a comedy list. I'm happy with this top so. five. Yeah. 